Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast. <laughs> we have a really good episode for you guys today and the topic is going to be why you are not allowed to give up. In the famous words of the Nefesh Achaim, a human being is created by Tzalem Eloikim, in the image of God. And that we have the power through our thoughts, actions, and speech to influence, influence the entire creation for good or for bad. What that means is that Hashem creates you with abilities and powers and talents that you cannot give back, that you cannot change. You can change certain things through prayer or through learning Torah. But all in all, your talents are your talents. Your strengths are your strengths. And your weaknesses are your weaknesses. Through that... You are simply not allowed to give up. Hashem infused you with a soul, which is a supercharged neshama meant to take you and the world around you to loftier destinations. What that means is that in the very in very simple words, you can change the world. I, I once saw a video of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Uh, like on YouTube Shorts, they have his Chabad YouTube channel and I always love watching them. And one of the things that he said that was super, super powerful was that that was the beginning of the release of broadcasts and satellites. And he said, with this new creation, a person is going to have the ability to change the world. Wow. Think about that, huh? That means now nowadays with a smartphone, if you say the right message and you design it properly and it, it touches the hearts of many, you can change the world through that. And I'm not telling everybody to go and change the world. What I am saying is that maybe you can change the world in your own way. Maybe in your own life, through your own actions, you can change the world. Because it's meant for you, you know, uh, your neshama is literally designed to conquer and to create. And like the topic of today is, I, I, I want to specifically say not to give up. Because sometimes when you're in the middle of building something, it takes a long time. And obviously good things don't come easy. And things that come after a while and after building them up for time and time and time those things stay for longer. So in the midst sometimes of that building process, you don't exactly see your end goal in front of you yet. But what's important to know is not to give up. And every decision that you make not to give up and to keep going on your own level, in your own way, that is what makes you great. Greatness is the decision of not giving up. Greatness is not when you made it, no. Greatness is the process. The process is greatness because the process is what's going to mold you and what's going to make you strong in order to receive. That's why God designed the world in the way that he did. Because if everything came easy, it would go easy. Easy come, easy go. And when you deny your ability to achieve your full potential, you're denying yourself. You're denying your essence in this world. Because you're not just giving up when you give up on something. When you decide that I quit now, you are quitting on your purpose in this world because you were meant to achieve a lot. You were meant to do many, many, many big crucial things in this island. But the moment that you decide to quit and you say, I'm not doing that anymore, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be okay with being average, that is the moment that the world gives up on you because you gave up on yourself. And not only that, you're, you lost your potential in that one moment because you decided to quit. Think about how sad that is. You know, think about how you're able to accomplish so much and you just needed to stay strong for one more day before you might have seen a salvation. 
Um, I, I, I was reading this book called You by Naftali Horowitz, which is a phenomenal book. And in that book, there's a concept of not giving up and how anything is possible and not being okay with being average and you want to be better than average. So what I want to share is that he was sharing a story of people in this in this room, like a bunch of wealthy people. And in order to stand in that room, you have to also be wealthy. And there was a poor person who came and he wanted to stand in the room. And he said, let me stand in the room. And they said, no, you're not wealthy enough. And he said, wait, but there's, 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 there's technically uh, space for me to stand in the room. If I was to become wealthy, you could squeeze me in. My feet can stand there physically. It can happen just like the other people got there. I can get there too. That's, that, that's showing you encouragement. If they can stand there, I can too. If, if other people can stand at the top of the mountain, I can too. Some people, they get to stand on top of the mountain because of daddy's money or because they got lucky in the stock market. Fine, granted. Standing at the top of the mountain doesn't always mean to be financially successful because money is great. Money means a lot, you know, but something that's really important is to work on your character because you can be on top of the mountain with a bunch of money but no friends. And I personally know people that have a lot of money and don't have any friends and they spend their time working and working and working and what do you get out of that? Yes, you make a lot of money. I'm not discouraging to work hard and to make money. I think that's an amazing thing to do but I think something that's more important to do is to build a life for yourself, a, ba a balanced life. A life where you work, a life where you spend time with friends, a life where you spend have time to spend with your family, a life where you do things that you love. Uh, to to constantly recharge the inner child inside of you and to and to make him happy because we all have that inner child inside of us and the, the idea is not to deny him the, the idea is to fulfill and satisfy him when the time is appropriate right so your qualify a person's qualification for put for no sorry a person's qualification for the potential and f of fulfillment and happiness club is that you have a neshama. I'm going to say that again. There's a club, not a club in the city, rather a club that's named the potential for fulfillment and happiness. Your qualification to get into this club is that you have a neshama. That means is that, what that means is that if you were born with a soul, you have the potential and you qualify to get in this club. Sorry, you have the qualification to get into the potential fulfillment and happiness club. Meaning it doesn't matter what background you come from. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Nothing really matters in this equation. If, because if you have a soul that is divine and that is a piece of God and, the, and was designed with the image of God, that makes you no less than some rich person. And believe me, I've, stu I've stood next to a billionaire. I've to a few of them actually. I've been in the same room as them. They are no different than your average Joe. I mean, talking about the humble ones at least. Because money is just a number in your bank account. The reason why they're trusted with this money is because they have the ability to give it out and they're not cheap. It's really all uh, a game if you think about it because they're just as nice as a poor person. The, talking about the religious and the nice ones, they're just as kind, they'll talk to you. They just have a lot of business experience and they're, they're very, very good and sharp at what they do. And they know how to distribute. But if you have those, those character traits, then don't beat up on yourself because you only have $1,000 in your bank account. So what? 
that's that's what you have now but you can make a lot of money you just need to understand that what i have is what i have and the same way that this rich guy has a billion and he's going to give his 10% or maybe even more to, to charity i'm going to give my 10% which which from 1000 is 100 bucks i'm not going to be cheap with money a lot of people i know a lot of people that don't have a lot of money and they get cheap with it and they say oh i have to save uh, i can't i can't give my money away because you know, if I give it away, then I don't have so much left. That's not that, that's not true. That's a fallacy. You're living in that illusion. Just because you don't have a lot of money doesn't mean that you can't give to charity. I'm not telling you to give everything. It will be a stupid decision to give everything. But if you make money, give 10%. Give, give your maaser. Obviously, the highest level is to give 20%, but not everybody is there. You know? Um, Mark Twain says that you'll regret what you didn't do more than what you did do so think about that imagine you're young you're full of energy boasting with power and with potential and you don't put that to use you just let it sit there my friends it's not only that not giving up that decision makes you great it's that you cannot give up no matter what you're trying to accomplish if you're a single guy and you're trying to overcome the breach or you're trying to get up in the morning for minyanim or go to minyanim in general or go to learn Torah or you have, you're in college, you're trying to work, you're trying to build a business, whatever it is you're trying to do or if you're like me and you're trying to build a million things at once, the idea is that giving up is not an option. I myself am a human being just like everyone else and I have days where I really don't see this happening. I have days where that image, that, that beautiful, uh, vivid image of me being successful is sometimes not so bright because sometimes life comes and life gives you a big trach and it hits you and you're like, how do I pick, pick up the pieces after this one? How do, I, how do I pick up the pieces after this fall? So sometimes that image isn't always so vivid, but the image is still there. I never lose sight of the imagination, always. My eyes are always on the prize. Even when I'm down, even when I'm having a bad day, even when I'm a little bit, you know, feeling depressed. Um, I always, I train myself that when, I, when a depressive mood kind of comes, I always counter it with doing something positive. And that always takes me out of the bad mood. I wouldn't call it depressive more, rather just like sadness. You know, maybe it's the winter time of year. Uh, the short days, lack of sunlight, things like that contributes to this sort of seasonal depression. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to be going through that time of year. It makes you just want to sit home and do nothing. But that's just in your mind. The world is still beautiful and it's still bright and you can still go out there and make something happen. Just because the weather's bad and things are a little bit cranky doesn't mean that you should be too. That's just your surrounding. You need to be stronger than your surrounding, in my opinion, at least. A lot of people say that your surrounding defines you. I personally disagree with that. I'll go out in the snow smiling and say, let's go make a viral video. You know, that's, that's just who I am because the weather is beautiful. You know, God made the bad weather just like he made the good weather. So you have to appreciate it. I was reading over Shabbat in a book by Victor Miller. Um, I think he has like a series of books on Munan Bitachan, Family, children, life, Shabbat, money. So I was reading this specific book about Shabbat and family. And I'm in like in the middle of the book. And all of a sudden he starts talking about the weather. And I was reading and it was, I read a very beautiful point. 
He said that the weather, even when it's bad, you should say tov me'od. Tov me'od, very good. Meaning, the weather is always tov me'od. Why? Because God created this weather. And the same way that a beautiful sun and sunlight is tov me'od, so, so, so too that bad weather is tov me'od. You want to... You wanna, you want to make yourself in a nature of saying, of looking outside and the weather between me and you could be like horrible but look at look at the tree with no leaves look at the sky with no sun and filled with clouds and say tov me'od baruch hashem thank god because this is beautiful and i promise you you'll be able to appreciate it i catch i catch myself sometimes saying wow this weather sucks and i'm like you know what tov me'od tov me'od just tell yourself, tov me'od, and you're going to see that the weather is going to start to look better. It's just, it's just a way to like look at things in a different way. And obviously, for those of you who are single, myself included, when you get married one day and you raise kids, you don't want to wake up in the morning and take them to the school bus and say, wow, the weather is horrible. No, you want to say, your son's going to say, Abba, you know, it's raining and it's not so nice. And you're going to say, no, son, tov me'od. And you're going to make that kid smile. You're going to make your kid smile. He's going to go on that school bus happy. He's going to be excited to go to school because his tati is happy. And that's, that's really what it is. You know, a person has to work on his... I know we're going to a little bit of a different topic now, but a person has to work on his inner happiness. You know, and it, it, it's in a way it's connected to not giving up because you don't want to just be working on something and be miserable the whole time. You want to always be happy. You want to always be fulfilled. And one thing about this generation is that we're very weak-minded. Um, myself included, of course, you know with the generation of social media and phones and having everything quick, it makes us very weak-minded and resili- and not resilient, sorry. Um, but one thing we have to work on is becoming more resilient because that resilience rests inside of us. The, the previous generation has it. They have, they have it more than we can even imagine. But the idea is, is to look for it inside of you and to find that resilient muscle, that kickback, that I'm not giving up mentality. And if you work on it, you'll get better at it. It's like any muscle. You know, you go to the gym, you work out a certain muscle. Over time, it grows. If you work that resilient, if you work that resilient uh, part of you in your brain, that resilient muscle, where when you get set back, you smile. You get you get a setback. You say thank you, Hashem. You get a setback. You say I'm coming right back at it. I'm gonna, I'm not going to give up. You know, more of a competitive attitude. Then that resilient muscle will grow. And you'll find yourself not being taken down from any event. Because one thing that's important to say through all of this is that no matter what happens to you in your life, you have to take a step back and acknowledge that God is doing everything for the best. God wants you to succeed and everything that he's doing for you in your life is for the good. That's why you have to have a munan bitachon in him constantly. You have to constantly know and to constantly see that he's doing everything for you for the best. Last night I was having a conversation with my rabbi and not to make it too uh, personal, but he was talking, I was talking to him about how I have a lot of expectations of myself and I sometimes get in my head about it and it sometimes just puts me in a bad mood because I want to be successful and I'm not there yet and you know, I just, I start to play out this like scenario in my head where what if and this and that and I, I know, I, I know in my in my cognitive mind that you know these are just these are just thoughts and i know that when i'm an old man one day i'm going to look back at my life and i'm going to say you know what at least i tried and i won't be upset about it if i fail because i'll try it's, it's the fact that i tried and he told me he brought an excerpt from shara bitachon 
which explains that in order for a person to succeed, he has to do the minimum hishtalu, the minimum effort. And if he's meant to receive a luxury life, then he will receive it through that minimum effort, meaning there's no extra effort you could do to work extra hard that will bring you more lavishness and more comfort and more luxury. Because if a person does his minimum hishtadlu, Chobot Allah promises that he will, he will have enough to sustain his, his life, meaning he will have enough to live. So through the minimum effort, through you getting a job, you will, you're guaranteed to have food, shelter, place to sleep, and that's pretty much it. You're, you're guaranteed the minimum to survive. And obviously if you get married, you'll get more. And if you have a child, you'll get more. Through every person that you become responsible for, you have more and more people to look after, right? Because you're responsible for them. And God will give you more in your life to sustain those people because you accepted that responsibility. You accepted that bigger vessel and you're going to get more to sustain it. Um, there's also an idea of a person creating a vessel so he can receive more. So it's very, very interesting things. And what I took away from that is that I am doing my minimum hishtadlu. Um, I, I believe that I could do more. You know, every morning I wake up and I ask myself, what can I do more today? And this is how I live my life. I'm always looking what I can do more because, you know, sometimes people say I'm doing my best. Me, I hate saying that. Have I said it? Yes. Do I like saying it? Absolutely not because I know that it's a lie. I know that, I, that there's, there's do me, me, I know myself, if I do my best in one day, like crazy, scary things will happen because my best is insane. And even if I do, th even if I do my best and I think I'm doing my best, it's, it's a lie because there's so much more that I could do. Meaning I, I know my potential and I know that it will quite frankly, almost be impossible for me to do my best unless I really work on it because no, I'm saying it the wrong way. You know why it's impossible for me or anyone to even do their best? Because you're, because we grow as people. When when Hashem, when God created you, you're not you're not this limited creation that is is stuck. Like you know, for example, a dog. He eats, he sleeps, he uses the bathroom, but that's it. His his existence is a dog. He cannot he cannot grow more because his brain does not have that potential. He cannot speak. He cannot understand. No, I mean he can understand you to a certain extent, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he's a dog. A human being is different completely. A human mind has infinite potential, um, has infinite ability to grow and to mold itself and to rather sculpt itself into whatever it wants to become. It all starts in the mind when you see yourself as a certain image and then you manifest it and then you work and you go for it and you create it. And that potential is, is limitless. Look, look at look at the big rabbis who existed, Chacham Ovadia and Chaim Kinevsky. These 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 weren't people, they, but they all started with obviously you know they started from a very young age. But and I'm not saying that that's realistically possible for any of us. Quite frankly, I think they had very special minds too. But the idea is, look at how far a human being can go. One human being can have people travel from all over the world to come and get a blessing from him and to kiss his hand, because he sat down and he worked on himself. He worked on his. His character traits to a level they rather they, they work on themselves to a to a point where you can't even understand mamish like a level of of, of simplicity I, I i myself i got lucky to to see Rabbi Kanyevsky one time um it was in israel i was staying by a, by my best friend's house in benebrak not his house his grandparents house and they lived down the block so during shabbat we go to Rav Chaim during Mincha. It was, I think, my first year in Yeshiva in Israel. 
and I got I got lucky to see him and I think to I didn't I don't think I I shook his hand I just kind of like we all walked by and we said Shabbat Shalom and we kept going some people tried to like force and get a blessing but I didn't want to do that I didn't want to force myself onto a gadolah door but that those maybe 30 seconds to a minute in his room changed my life forever and I'll tell you why you come in and you see Everyone's talking about this famous Rav Chaim Kanyevsky, and, and you never saw him before, so I have an image of him in my mind. I imagined him as like this big rabbi and this like beautiful house, and you know, living the life and learning, just learning Torah. I never, I never, I never imagined what I saw. And what I saw was uh, what looked like a broken house with only bookshelves that looked old. And since it was during, since it was during the Seudash Tishit, you know, the third meal of Shabbat. I saw him sitting down with one, I think a piece of bread or two, whatever the obligation was, a little bit of salt, and I think a cup of water. That's it, very simple. No matbucha, trina, salad, salatim, and if there's no salads, the guy curses at his wife, where's the salads, you blah, blah, blah. No, all he had was bread, salt, the, the, the minimum, the obligation. And this is the biggest rabbi in the world. He could have whatever he wants, but he chooses to live in simplicity because that is all he technically needs. We, you know, for, for you to have a Shabbat meal, even if you're not rich, that meal that you have, I mean, even if you're not rich, no, you are rich. <laughs> We're richer than we think we are. We live in a, we live in a first world country. But, you know, to have a Shabbat meal with bunch of salads and food and the most expensive meats and we all have this in our house in our homes thank god you know there's a lot of chef on the world today but just think about how we're sitting here in america complaining why don't we have more when this big rabbi literally is surviving off of nothing nothing he's surviving off the, the bare minimum and he can get more but he doesn't want more because he doesn't need it he says he says let that let that money go somewhere else I'm not trying to emulate his thinking. I don't know what he's thinking, but I'm saying he doesn't need more than what he has. He's happy with what he has. And I wish that all of us could get to an inkling of that type of a level, to just be happy with the present moment, to just be happy with what you have. I'm not telling you now to go eat one slice of bread and a little bit of salt for the rest of your life. Halvai, I wish we can get to that level. What I am telling you is to take to take that story and to take him as an example and to try to emulate it into your own life and to try to understand wow if this if this person can be happy with this i i have to be doing something better i have to be doing something better and uh yeah thank you for listening to today's episode and my last message to the cloud is that mamish if you feel like giving up and you're on the verge of quitting don't give up Send me, a message, send me a message on Instagram. I'd love to try to help you. Um, thank God I've been getting a lot of messages lately. I'm trying to help a lot of people. Please, reach out. Don't give up. Take what I said in this podcast. Know that you're special. Know that you're, you were created in literally the image of God, which is insane. And know that a lot of, a lot of good and blessing is waiting for you. You just need to show up a little bit more, and you're going to get there. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.